Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Be Your Best Horsemanship. This is Phil Haugen coming to you from the bunkhouse at our training facility. I just stepped in here to uh, record a podcast while I'm waiting for some horses to finish their grain. It is a beautiful morning. I'm actually recording this on Thursday morning, which is the 28th of December. You'll be listening to this just shortly after first of the year. Beautiful day this morning, a little brisk, had a few little snow flurries, but they quit in a short period of time. So we didn't have a whole lot of, didn't have much snow. I was kind of hoping for a little bit of snow, but a lot of things to talk about today. I won't get to everything. It has been a couple weeks since I've recorded any podcasts, though I had some built up. So you haven't we haven't missed a week, which is, which I'm really proud of. We have done, you know, you you have to practice what you preach or what you preach has no validity. And I'm, I'm really proud of the fact of how consistent we've been over the last four years of continuing to put out a weekly podcast. And obviously some are some are better than others. I mean, you can't you can't knock a home run every <laughs> every week. And really and truly, the fact that I, I'm still somewhat amazed that anybody listens, you know, because like I've you've heard me talk about before, I argued with Hannah for a good bit before I ever did a podcast that I, that nobody would listen to what I had to say, and uh, really didn't believe what I had to say had any <laughs> really very much value. So anyway, um, for all of you that have been with us, you know, whether you're a new listener or you've been with us for the last four years, over 200 and some episodes, we, we just really appreciate you. We will continue to strive to put out good content and, and good material. Today, one of the first things I'm going to talk about is I was working a filly yesterday that's going to the Ruby Buckle sale in april i believe and one of the one of the challenges with her she had had a little time off because i kind of i did a little damage to my right knee and uh but it's heat coming back i'm getting better every day on it and then i had lens replacement surgery in my eyes and i just yesterday had an appointment where they told me i was good to go to do whatever so I'd, I'd been kind of being somewhat conservative with some of the things I did because, you know, when you go get surgery done on your eyes, I, you know, you, the thoughts enter your mind that, hmm, what, what if I do something and, you know, what if something happens and I can't see anymore? <laughs> that's not a good, that, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting thought to process. And so I was, I was somewhat careful. I did some things I shouldn't have, I ain't going to lie, but I can only stand to sit around so long and do nothing. So anyway, yesterday I was kind of back in full force and 
I'm working this filly and prior to hurting my knee and, and having my eye surgery, which they kind of happened the same time I hurt my knee and had my eye surgery the next day. So I'm limping in to get my eye surgery. And, uh, I told Bridget, I said, you know, now might be a good time to, you know, start making payments on a scooter because it ain't looking good for you in the future. <laughs> if if something happens with that surgery, I can't see and, and I can't hardly walk. Um, bless her heart. She's in trouble. But uh, anyway, everything's going to be good. But I went back to working, working her yesterday and I was just riding her. She's been, while, while I've been healing up, she's been on the exerciser five or six times a week. She's had the flexion rig on. She's actually, she's softer in her face now than when I, when I got off her prior to, prior to my eye surgery. And which was a, which was an excellent time for her to learn to just move and go to that nice balanced soft position behind the bridle because from the start she has been really pushy in the bridle real heavy in my hands and she was like that from day one it was kind of like eh, if you're gonna if you're gonna put contact there I'm gonna pull against it and she she was like that when I led her she was like that when I started her. She was like that when I broke her to hobbles. She was like that in everything I did. Nothing mean, but she's she's kind of an alpha filly, meaning she is a dominant type filly, which can really work to your advantage down the road because she will be tough, gritty. When she figures out what the job is, she'll do the job. Well, prior to my surgery on my eyes, I had been working her a good bit and I'd been roping on her. And so I'd been working her on some, some drills that we do prior to ever putting a horse on the pattern. And I'd been roping on her. Well, she had started to anticipate that there's a change coming anytime you put took the slack out of the bridle reins and when horses start doing that some of them not all of them but some will start associating that with get ready to change speed or direction and they'll get sticky on their front end and anybody that's ever rode very many has felt that it, it's just like it's just like a really good rope horse I'll give you an example. Okay, a lot of you watched the breakaway at the NFR. Best ropers in the world. Outstanding set of ropers. There were a lot of outstanding ropers that did not end up making the top 15. And even there, you know, those horses are outstanding. I mean, I can't say enough good things about the breakaway the the women that have progressed the breakaway the those of you competing in it i mean it's just a great event but getting back to you know think of those horses and what they've been through this year you know the breakaway did not have a limit on the number of rodeos so you could i think you could go to as many as you could drive yourself to and the breakaway is so fast that 
you know, when that rope's going around that calf's neck, you, you're, if you're a breakaway horse, you're probably getting pulled on. You're probably, they're trying to shut the clock off. And, and when it's a timed event and your livelihood depends on how quick you can shut it off, you do whatever you got to do to shut it off. That's just real world stuff. I mean, that's, that's the reality of real life in the breakaway roping. Well, before long, those horses are going to start, even the best of the best are going to start getting a little sticky in the front end, meaning starting to brace with that front end. Well, this filly that I'm riding, I call her Hadley because Hadley Reed and I are, are part owners in her. We both are partners in the, and, and our wives, of course. Well, Hadley's a, she's a super, super nice horse. And by April, um, there's going to be, uh, I would be real surprised whoever ends up with her that when they get her home, there aren't, they aren't more happy with her when they get her home than when they saw her at the, at the sale because she's just, I mean, she's, she's three this year and it's, it's like I'm riding a six-year-old, you know, I feel like she's a special individual, but Hadley, she's smart too. And Hadley, I had worked her on some drills. I had roped on her to where I'd, I asked her to drag her butt and get in the ground and yesterday when I was just doing some simple drills where I'm tipping her nose and I'm getting the front end to follow her nose, you know, I could feel some stickiness in that front end. Well, as soon as you feel that stickiness in their front end, then your hind quarter is going to start disengaging because you've changed your pivot point. So yesterday I spent a good bit of time Every time I felt that front end get sticky, firmly encouraging her to keep it moving forward. And it took some doing because, like I said, she is not, she's kind of an alpha type filly. If, if you, she doesn't cower down just because you ask for something. She's going to try to make it a little bit of a negotiation for a second and then when she figures out there's no negotiation, boom, she'll go do her job. And that keeps getting better every ride. And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't mind that at all in a horse because I've had several of them that were like that in their training and they all went on to do really, really well. So I think there's got to be a little bit of that mental toughness in there with your horse if when you stick them on the road and you put them in situations that are not desirable and you ask them to be on ground that's, you know, completely different from one day to the next and a lot of travel, you know, different facilities, your horses have to have that mental toughness. So that's one of the things that'll challenge you a little bit through the training process, but also Overall, I love that about her. I mean, I, I truly love that filly. She is just a ton of fun to, to ride. But going back to that challenge, so yesterday I had to help her understand that when I pick up that bridle rein, yes, there's a change coming, but I want that front end to stay freed up. 
the longer I get a hang around in this deal, the more I despise a horse that's front end loaded. I hate a horse that's front end loaded. And I guarantee you from a lot of different aspects of the training process, a horse that is in the habit of keeping that front end freed up and moving and following its nose, it makes its life so much easier so much easier it's so it's just like going into a hard turn whether you're turning a cow on the fence because see like when i'm working her on the flag i need her to step through i don't need her to pivot on her front end and disengage her hindquarter i need her you know when the when the flag moves i need her to lock on step with it step through and i'm no cutter but at the same time, I can use that flag to help my horse learn how to use its body. And I can help myself with my feel, timing, and balance, which is my signals, which is the, the signals that I use. I always talk about the signal before the signal. Well, your horse is, your horse is reading your body first and your hands second, unless your hands are way ahead of your body. If your hands are the first thing to react, well, whatever you're doing with your body is irrelevant because you've already screwed the deal up. The, the first signal needs to be with the change in your body. That's, that's feel, that's timing, that's balance. Your hands are to guide. Your hands are to guide. Guide that forward motion or guide, guide that horse into a stop rate or turn. So... It's like yesterday, I had other plans when I started out yesterday, when I was working her, of things I was going to do, but those exercises I was going to do would have been reinforcing a bad habit if I'd let her continue to get a little sticky on that front end because her, her hind quarter, when I first started working her, her hindquarter disengaged a couple times, and that is exactly the opposite of what I wanted. Now, she was, she was, you know, horses have a great memory, and she was thinking back of when I was taking that slack out of the bridle reins, and there was a, there was a stop, a rate, or a turn in those exercises. Well, you can't blame a horse for anticipation. You just have to use that anticipation as a learning or training opportunity to reinforce that we need them to listen. I don't need them to anticipate. All I need that horse to do is listen. Listen to the signal with my body, my hands, my legs. You know, listen to that signal with my body first and then follow my hands. That, that's all I need them to do. So I need them to think about, I always need my horse. I don't want their mind to go to that thought, okay, I think this is coming next. I need my horse to go to that thought, okay, what am I feeling? What signal am I getting? And just like I was talking about with our podcasts, in this situation, in this training this training situation, I need to make sure I'm very, very, very consistent. Because if I'm not, 
I'm not creating a situation where they understand what a signal means. I'm creating a situation where I'm creating anxiety and lack of understanding. Well, anxiety, anytime I'm in a situation where I'm anxious and I don't understand, I'm frustrated. And frustration leads to going into self-defense mode, self-preservation mode, maybe flight mode. What happens there is, just like yesterday, it was like I had to tell myself, okay, you, you need to back up and reinforce some things and help her understand to listen, not anticipate. And it wasn't bad. It really wasn't. I mean, if if you were here watching, you might not have even caught it, but I felt that hind quarter disengage or get to where I knew our pivot point had become the front end, not the back end. And, and she may not have even disengaged, but I felt like I felt it and I knew that at any moment she could. So I was working on getting that front end moving, overemphasizing my signals. And by the end of that session, it was really, really good. And today when I start on her, I expect it to be really, really good. And it'll, it'll be better, but there'll still be days where maybe I'm working on the pattern, working on some, some drills that we work on prior to putting a horse on the pattern. Or if I'm, if I'm roping in the lane or I'm tracking in the arena, or I'm roping the sled, and she starts to anticipate my throw or the stop, I'm going to feel those times where she starts using her front end more because she's not rounding her back and staying balanced, you know? And a lot of times that'll also come with with any time you've got a hop in your horse in the stop, their head comes up and their front end stiff. And then when centrifugal force brings their front end down, they jab their front end into the ground. Then they got to hop up again so that that back end can slide underneath them. Well, it's just like in the rope and you, you're going to see that a lot, especially over an extended period of time where in your event, you have to ask your horse, just like I was talking in the breakaway rope. And gosh, you know, the, the fact that those girls keep those horses as good as they do is, is really pretty incredible. I mean, they're, it takes a really, really good horseman to keep a horse, you know, firing and, and working at an elite level way into you know, into the end of the year. I mean, that that's just a, you know, that's a tremendous testament to a competitor's horsemanship because it, it is tough on horses. So, you know, from the, from the horsemanship side, that, that's something that I, I really wanted to talk about today because it's, it's something that I dealt with yesterday and it's something that I think a lot of people deal with. You know, I get a lot of questions about keeping the hindquarters engaged, not disengaged, and keeping the front end shook loose. Well, the two go together. I mean, if you have the front end freed up and the shoulders soft, your horse is going to engage its hindquarters and stay on its butt. If you don't, 
you're going to have that hindquarter disengaging because your front end becomes your pivot point. And it's just, it happens in every industry, in every discipline. In some disciplines, it's less apt or less likely to happen just because the horses in that discipline are built in confirmation-wise better in a better way to where that does not happen as much. You know, it's just like, take the reiners and the cow horses. You know, they're they're built to get on their butt and slide on their back end and, and be really balanced. Now, those guys, and there's some great reining and cow horse trainers out there right now. I mean, they are, that is a very competitive field. But they do a great job of, developing that, reinforcing that, and maintaining that in their horses. And those horses, conformationally, are already built to stop and turn. You know, they'll, they'll, they're built to stop and turn. They may not be race horses. I mean, they still can run good, and they got a lot of quick speed. But, you know, they're, they're not going to they're not going to beat some of these running bred horses that go to the barrel racing in, in a flat out race. They're just not going to do it. I'm not saying, and don't get me wrong. Somebody said, well, you know, this horse is a, you know, cow bred and it's out running everybody in the barrels. Well, that can definitely happen. No doubt about it. And it has happened. You know, one example would be Louie, you know, Lisa Lockhart's legendary horse, you know, um, Louie was in, I believe he's in reining training before he ever went to barrel training, you know, so that, that is one example and it definitely can happen. There's no doubt about it, but for the most part, you know, the running bred horses are bred that way to run fast. Well, that is not conducive confirmation wise to, to huge stops, you know, and it, and it makes it more challenging with some of them running bred horses, but they can do it and they can do it really, really good. On the horsemanship side today, that was what I wanted to talk about. Something else off the sh- subject, but this is another great subject, is I was listening to John Maxwell here a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about putting our dreams to the test. And, and he was talking about setting goals and but he was talking about dreams because we all have them. And here's some points that he made. And these are some things that if you have time sometime, well, if you really want to get the full effect, I'd write these down. I mean, not if you have time, I'd make time if I were you, because that's what I did. When he started talking about this, I got my pen and paper out and I got my notebook and I wrote these down and I'm going to share them with you. You know, when he was talking about put your dreams to the test, first thing he said, he said, the more valid reasons you have to achieve a dream, the higher the odds are that you will. The more valid reasons you have to achieve a dream, the higher the odds are that you will. Well, that just goes back to when you have a dream, if you want it bad enough, you will do whatever it takes. You know, it's kind of like James Clear said in the book Atomic Habits. 
Are you interested or are you committed? If you're interested in achieving that dream, you'll do whatever's easy. If you're committed, you'll do whatever it takes. It's that simple. And really and truly, when he says put your dreams to a test, that's the first thing you need to do because you need to find out are you interested or committed? You know, the more valid reasons you have to achieve a dream, the higher the odds are that you will. The second one, and this is, I love this. The dream is free, but the journey is not. Here again, kind of goes back to what James Clear said. If you're interested, you'll do what's ever easy, whatever's easy. If you're committed, you'll do whatever it takes. The dream is free. It's like setting goals. The goal is free. The plan, the journey, it is not. Another point he made, he said, think of your dream and write down three or four reasons why it's so important for you to achieve that dream. Think of your dream and write down three or four reasons why it's so important for you to achieve that dream. And if you will do that, if you'll do that, you will greatly increase your chance of achieving it. But here's the deal. If you have a dream and you don't go through these, you know, these three suggestions that he makes, if, if we, we have the dream and we're just too lazy to even go any farther than that, you'll never, you will never reach your dream. We'll never reach it. You know, it's crazy. When, when I started, and, and don't get me wrong, I've got a lot of stuff I got to work on. I've got a lot of things that I have not accomplished that I thought I would at this point. There are a lot of, I mean, you pick any part, phase of my life professionally, you know, physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally, I, every phase of my life. I have a set goal slash dream for this coming year to get better in one of the areas of one of those areas. I mean, at least one. So, you know, there's, there's always more to do and there's always more to work on. But if you think of your dream, your goal, and write down three or four reason why, reasons why it's so important for you to achieve that dream or that goal. If you can do that, you're increasing your chance of achieving it, hands down. And you know what? Here's the thing about just like, just like financial goals. Because mo money's, you know, and, and here's the thing about money. Money is not the root of all evil. You should try to make as much as you can. The, the love of money is the root of all evil. Greed is the root of all evil. When you get greedy, then that's a whole different story. But if you work hard and make a ton of money, here's what happens. You're not only able to do more for yourself, for your customers, you're, you're able to do more for others. That, that's the beauty of that. You know, so don't ever feel guilty 
making having a dream like that or having a goal like that and it, and there's all phases of your life that you can do that in so that's that's just my parting thought for today that's something that i wanted to share with you because when i was listening to john that hit me like a ton of bricks and i was like wow that is so good so simple but it's so good hey have a great week of training have a i mean best wishes for this coming year Thank you to all our listeners. God bless each and every one of you. And as always, today and every day, let's be our best. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's show. To learn more about the training program that inspired the Be Your Best podcast, head over to philhavenhorsemanship.com and join our online community by following us at philhavenhorsemanship on Facebook or Instagram. This is where we're going to be sharing tons of training tips and information about how you can experience our Training Through Understanding program at one of our upcoming clinics. As you go through the day today, I want to encourage you to figure out one thing you can do to get 1% better, whether that is in your horsemanship journey, your career, or your personal life. Own it and be your best. God bless and have a great day of training.